Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. This is another quarantine series edition of the Nickish Show. You got Mo and Nafi back at it again to talk NBA, Knicks, and you know whatever's going on in our minds. So Nafi, what's what's going on in Nafi hood? You know, just uh, getting back from a really exhausting day outside. Really lovely day. So me, and my a dozen of my closest pals, we just got together, went to the park, and just held hands and sang "Kumbaya," fresh air and everything. You know what I mean? One of us actually just like, you know, for some reason he had a mask on. I don't know why. He was a weirdo, but I think I, I think I think you must be talking about Eric from upstairs and not not you. He must have been looking out from from the window because you're smart. You're a smart guy. Nah, bro, just out there. You know, you didn't hear the president. He said we back in business. So I was like, all right, fuck it. Let me go get my kite and just go to the park and just fly that bitch. Why not? It's, it's not this is like it's obviously safe outside. You know, mm-hmm. if all these states are opening up for business, there must be like a vaccine widely available you know what i mean like there's got to be because otherwise why would we be doing this like explain that to me bro you telling me i'm foolish for going out and like just hanging out where it does it in my palace in close quarters think you saying that was a dumb idea only if you're doing one thing it's not a dumb idea if you're <laughs> with that many guys in a circle <laughs> you play pickup <laughs> playing pickup ball obviously you got nah i'm playing oh, nah, of course. nah bro come on now it was, you, you, did it, you say the weather was breezy <laughs> I mean, it was breezy from, like, my just looking out from my window. But, nah, just been at the crib, you know what I mean, quarantining, just uh, watching a lot of fucking movies, bro, because otherwise it's boring as shit out there. So, I mean, what about you? How's quarantine life treating you? Shit. I mean, with Ramadan almost ending, that should make things a lot easier. Yo, my sleep schedule is completely fucked up right now. But in a week, it should be better. I mean, this Sunday or Saturday, which, whichever the day, I, I don't know if, I don't know if, Islam decided what day it's gonna be, um, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said it like it was a protagonist. Yeah, right. Like, he's, he's out sitting at the mountaintop. Islam, just <laughs> the grand pooba of, of all things, like Muslim. Uh. <laughs> Why am I picturing just like a brown Master Roshi from DBZ? That's it. <laughs> uh, with the long beard and the. Uh, yeah, long beard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sunglasses. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> Possible serving. Uh, but no, like, I mean, for those of you who are listening, if you're, if you're fasting right now, of course, you know, obviously happy early Eid Mubarak by the time you listen to this. Um, or by the time we do our next episode, Eid will have passed. So, you know, happy early Eid Mubarak. Um, and yeah, man, a- apart from fasting and just working from home and, Watching movies and shows, that's that's really all there is. You shouldn't be going outside at this time. The weather's warmer doesn't mean that the virus is going to disappear, which a lot of people think is actually the case because of previous diseases and viruses. Hot weather tends to, you know, diminish the virus, but there's no proof of that happening with corona. Like, this shit's in India right now, and India's fucking 90-plus degrees all the time. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't exactly like frigid temperatures when this shit broke out in Hong Kong and, they, mm-hmm. and that Asian region. Anyway, you know what I mean? So, but regardless, you know, 
our, our you know our commander in chief or whatever the title is, is he declared we're back in business it, you know the funniest part is he said vaccine or no vaccine we're back in business <laughs> yeah like he's just acknowledging like yeah i mean death is a possibility but we're back you know what i mean like i don't know i'm 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 gonna just i'm gonna stay where i am and just operate on like the pretense that like yes there's a deadly virus out there that apparently even if you survive that shit like you get irreparable damage to your lungs and i don't know about you bro but i cherish my lungs you know very essential essential to breathing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but that's that's just my two cents shit but, uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned movies and shit, but uh, there's another thing that has been fucking, has been crucial, obviously, throughout this whole quarantine. You know what I mean? Obviously, The Last Dance. But um, before we turn to that, there's actually, we are the Nickest podcast, right? So, as our listeners probably know, we uh, the Knicks have made some hires. So, do you want to mention who these two gentlemen are that are Leon Rose saw fit to uh, bring into our organization? Yeah, yo, two guys who, of course, I've known all my life. <laughs> Frank the Zanin. Oh yeah. Of course, uh, I know how to pronounce that. Zanin <laughs> and uh, Walt Perrin, who, you know, Walt. Good old <laughs> looks, Walt. Looks looks like a Walt when you see him. Yeah. For fun fact, like Walt Clyde Frazier, he got his name Walt from Walt Perrin. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that. You know what I mean, fun fact. I mean, hey man, any Walt that comes to the Knicks is a lead in my book. Um, but yeah, yo, Walt Perrin is from the Jazz. He's being hired as the assistant GM, and Frank Zanin or Zanin, I'll pro- it's probably Zanin. He's come from the OKC Thunder. Play will work with their personnel. I-, I don't really know what he did with them, to be honest. I don't know what he's expected to do with us. But hey, these guys are both from established organizations with extremely good player development, which is what they're known for. So I'm 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 good with both these hires. They seem like reasonable hires just because they're not from messed up organizations. And Frank Zanin actually got Kobe's uh, uh, stamp, stamp of approval a few years ago when he went, when he joined Brooklyn, actually, because they, they both knew each other from high school. Damn, bro. Fun th- fact. That's pretty cool. But then I actually thought you was, uh, was going to have like a mind-blowing fun fact, like fucking Frank Zanin has an exclusive Kobe stamp, that one of one that the U.S. Postal Service has produced. That'd be the wildest fun fact. Like, how would you even dig that up, bro? <laughs> but uh, nah, that's pretty cool. I mean, if you got the Kobe uh, like seal of approval, fuck it, Frankie boy, bring a come on board. You know what I mean? But um, I actually like, I actually like to be honest with you. Like before we even came on to record, like I actually went to go do some more reading on Walt Perrin, and then that's when I literally found out we we also hired Frank Zen, and you know, just out on the real real GM uh, uh headline or whatever the fuck. So yeah, I mean, did some quick uh. Super quick, two-second read of that Real GM article. He apparently has worked in NBA front offices before, so I think that's good. That's that's my opinion of Frank Zanin. Sounds like a good thing. Thumbs up, you know, <laughs> for those you of us that... you have experience, you're welcome aboard. Yeah, I mean, shit. But uh, Walt Perrin, I mean, if he's been at the... He's basically been in the Jazz or been with the Jazz for like the last 20 years, and yeah. we see the draft success they got. Um, what I like was that... Uh, Apparently, like, before he got hired, just since the last couple months, especially in this situation going on, he was actually, like, took point on, like, leading, like, the jazz scouting efforts, you know what I mean, organizing, like, Zoom and all that. And I feel like if he was, like, you know, put in charge of that, that's, like, a big responsibility, especially during this pandemic, especially for, like, you know, considering the ca- like the caliber of organization Utah is. So, 
yeah, I mean, he seems like another smart hire. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've been down this road before. Like the the most we could say at this point, it's not like we're both honestly familiar with these two guys. We could just like, you know, read what we see these reporters report, and from what we can tell, like Walt especially seems like a really good hire. Yep. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed it goes well. But uh, I like the way Leon is moving right now. You know, yeah, yo, correct me if I'm wrong. Rudy Gobert was a second round pick or late first rounder. Nah, he was a late first rounder and late first Den- rounder, right? Yeah, Denver actually fucking drafted him, traded him to, uh, um, fu- yeah, traded him to Utah for I think it was Eric Green. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that is? Exactly. The, the only reason <laughs> I remember him is, <laughs> he was, I think he was like a second round pick. And then, ironically enough. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was also a Denver pick, so like, I don't understand why they would. Why is Denver doing this? They're divisional rivals too. Like, could you imagine the headlines if like the Nets did that to the Knicks like twice mm-hmm. in like the last five years? Like, I don't know. Media coverage is different out west, but yeah, but yeah that's a fun fact. <laughs> point point in fact is that these are these were great finds. Um, I don't know if that if the credit for that should go more towards the GM or assistant GM or to Walt, but. At the end of the day, he was in charge of player development, from my understanding. And Rudy Gobert, yeah. we saw what he what he's become, defensive player of the year. Donovan Mitchell, we see what he's become, and that is a potential All Star, future All Star, great point guard. And uh, he he has c- come down a little bit, but his first season was was crazy good. And yeah. uh, I think he came back to earth a little bit. But I, I think this past season he was doing fairly well. And tell I, this might be stretching a little bit, but it, I think it has to be. It's a point that should be made. I told you this when we found out about the hiring was that uh, Donovan Mitchell's agent works for CAA, which Leon Rose was president of. And I think oh, yeah, there yeah, is yeah. Some, there, there has to be some connection with the fact that the player development guy who scouted Donovan Mitchell is with the Knicks right now. And there, there are relations with Donovan Mitchell's agent, who he really likes. He has a good relationship with his agent. I forgot his name. Um, and oh, and yeah, Leon yeah. Rose. So... That is something to look out for in case the draft doesn't go so well for the Knicks for point guard-wise. I think Donovan Mitchell might be in play because Leon Rose isn't trying to lose for, you know, the next two years. I don't think so. I think he's trying to have a winning record at least in the next two years as a new president. I feel you. I mean, that Donovan Mitchell connection is uh, kind of spicy. It's uh, it's about a 7 on a 1 to 10 spice meter. You know what I mean? So that's something to watch for sure. But, I mean, I'm still on the on the fence about even just pursuing Mitchell like that. Like, I'm not willing to give up a lot of assets for him at this point because I f- frankly find his like his prospects as, as a player like overrated. Not to say he's bad. He's definitely was a steal, best player in that draft, arguably at this point. Now that I'm like trying to remember who's in that draft, but I don't think he's Tatum. like Tatum was in that draft. Oh yeah, so Tatum, Tatum definitely. So then Mitchell's like second behind him, and then I think I'd prefer Tatum over Mitchell first of all. But 100%. yeah, but yeah, I mean definitely something to watch that connection. But I think what's um. The, the point I was going to bring up is there's an interesting connection I noticed. is just like these two hires. Walt Perrin, before he went to the Jazz, he was in Detroit for for a little bit. And then, obviously, Frank Zanin, his name is. He just came from OKC. Those are two organizations that Scott Perry is also very familiar with. Like, you know what I mean? So I think, like, that bodes well for Perry. I mean, we he just did get the one-year extension. So I'm just thinking, like, like, broader level, like not just these two hires, but what it means for the organization moving forward. I could see, like, possibly Perry staying on if, like, Le- Rose, like, goes the route of, like, hiring all these specific guys for specific roles, you know what I mean, as, like, a committee approach that all report to him, which I think is a smart way to run things as opposed to, like, Rose trying to, like, handle all this shit by himself, like, pulling a fill, 
you know, and just just leaning on one other person. And in Phil's case, that was um, shit. What was his name? The scout who's uh, he scouted Frank. Not Craig scouted, Rob- uh, was Pippen it Craig back Robinson in the day. or before Craig Robinson? Oh, oh, oh. No, no, that was Scott Perry. Was it Cedric something? Clarence Gaines. Clarence, Clarence Gaines. Gaines. Yes. I knew it was yes. one of the C. Yeah. Uh, shameful of us to forget. Yeah, yo, much respect to Clarence Gaines because he's, he's a legend Hell yeah. as far as his scouting guy goes. But, uh, yeah, my point was just like Phil came in. He really only had Clarence Gaines as his like, right-hand man. So I feel like Rose, he's already made three hires, just had to retain Scott Perry. That's four guys under him. And I read, obviously, he's probably going to take the summer or the offseason whenever there is an offseason to, like, evaluate and probably trim the whole organization down to just his guys and whoever he decides to retain. But I like that approach. You know, he's getting smart, like, delegates under him so that he can lean on for advice, and they all have specialized kind of expertise. Obviously, Brock Aller comes in as a cap numbers guy. Mm-hmm. Walt Perrin is a scouting eye for player development. And then Frank Zanin, he's going to be, I saw it was, um, he's going to be assistant GM slash pro personnel or assistant GM of pro personnel. So that's like more so on the, you know, free agency side, I assume, trades and shit like that. So that's definitely pretty interesting, like one thing to notice off of that. So I don't know. I think moving forward, I could see, rounding back to my point, I think Perry might actually have a future here if all these guys have like these kind of, I don't, I don't want to say strong connections, but they got kind of, they are kind of connected to Perry in a little, yeah. in one way or another. So, and these are smart hires. If you if you add up all the years that these guys have in terms of experience level, what are we talking like 60, 70 years worth of experience? Exactly. Yo, and That's I mean, important. yo, Perry, Perry been around for a minute too. You got mad years of experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you see, Rose is. I think a lot of people were throwing hissy fits on Nick's Twitter when like, they decided to retain Perry. I don't understand like how you could have strong feelings either way, but then now this is these hires that came in addition to retaining Perry just make it make that kind of anger look dumb. I think you know, because I think Ro- Rose is seeing what the playing field is. Like he has all these assets, some young players, and an unprecedented like pandemic situation. Why not keep Perry? But then let's make these smart hires, and then we'll evaluate this year going forward. You know what I mean? That's a smart way to go things like. Go, go about things. So. The timing also is very curious, in my opinion, just because this is right before the NBA draft and uh, Walt... I mean, didn't, it get, didn't it get postponed? Not to cut you off. But I mean, it's going to happen soon. Postponed. Either way, it's still, June is still next week. It has to happen at some point. I very, think soon's a, movie. Soon. <laughs> soon's a moving target, though. Just I mean, given how it, has by, like, it has to happen by September, October. But either That's way, true, there yeah. there is a draft coming up. There is a lottery coming up, and the uh, these guys that he just hired who and he took them away from their teams they were preparing for that draft and like how many other teams are making these hires right now none that I've seen I haven't seen any other tweets about hirings for front offices I might have missed them but I mean the Bulls you know they hired the GM who's yeah, like the apart... guy from Chicago and then they hired was it Mark Eversley from Philly hmm. um, which, by the way, I feel like we were going to save some Bulls comments about the current Bulls like at the end once we kind of wrapped up our last dance uh, section or segment. But um, didn't want to say that like that was a kind of a sus hire I thought they made, Mark Eversley. Like, I don't know shit about him, but I looked up you know, looked into his background. He's famous for being a, a Brian Colangelo disciple and working at Nike. And Brian Colangelo, famous enough, he's a guy that got busted for the burner accounts last yeah. year or whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. Who, that guy's a fucking embarrassment. Uh-huh. And he drafted Bargnani. So like I don't know what the Chicago's doing out there, but yeah. To go back to your point about Rose, nobody's hiring out there. You like you right. So that dude's definitely doing his homework. Like people th- thought. I also this was a complaint that I saw like 
was weird because like which brings me back to our main point way back in the day when we started this podcast. There's a lot of idiots in the Knicks fan community, so mm-hmm. we're trying to like um, smarten up the discourse. But I saw people literally saying like, "Yo, Rose is like was sitting on his hands when he came on board, and like he wasn't doing shit fast enough." Like I saw that shit in certain parts of Knicks Twitter, and I'm like. He hasn't even been here six months on the job, bro. Like, people expect him to come in and make sweeping changes, but you see he's incrementally adding people. He hasn't really fired nobody yet, so that's the next step in the process. Just let the process play out, you know, and I feel like if this Leon Rose situation experiment doesn't work out, then, yo, it's a wrap. I don't know. I mean, what else are we going to fucking do? <laughs> but so let's be cautiously optimistic, but, uh, yeah. you know, I just sound like a hurt Nick fan right now. My fault. <laughs> quarantine got your boy actually depressed <laughs> and that that falls in line with my point about Scott Perry still like how many times have we ever had this much cap space with all of our draft picks and then some they're just like you know look at Kevin they're like oh look at Kevin Knox he drafted Kevin Knox and we have no players and he draft he hired or he signed Moutier and guys like that it's just like they're all on one year deals they have potential they're not taking up any more cap space that's why I'm still a Scott Perry fan at this point. You know, I'm not I'm not going to front. Yeah, I mean, I want to say I'm a fan, but I don't straight up hate the dude like parts of Nick's Twitter does. Like, he, if anything, he's shown he has a he has an acumen for scouting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, do you want to kind of pivot to our last dance? You know what I mean? It is. I've, I'm sad as shit, bro. It's like, it's a wrap. Episode 10 done. Like, what else do we have to fucking look forward to during this quarantine? You know what I mean? We're but, Sundays, uh, yeah. Yeah, shit. Like, and I didn't even watch it live on Sundays, but I look forward to, like, wa- binging those two episodes during the week. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so uh, what'd you make of these last two episodes? How how you feeling? The the main takeaway that I took after after these episodes was that LeBron James is not uh, – he's not even close to Michael Jordan. <laughs> as a guy who's watched LeBron James for most of his career and none for Michael Jordan his career these 10 episodes these 5 weeks have told me that LeBron James is nowhere close to Michael Jordan LeBron James is an excellent player top 2 maybe even top 3 I have to look more into Magic Johnson a little bit but he, Michael Jordan is the GOAT from all the GOATs he is one he is an upper he is an echelon above them a tier above them no one yeah. comes close to Michael Jordan, is what I've learned, is my main takeaway from this. All right, let me role play for a, sec- a second right here. Let me pretend I'm Michael's uh, um, PR agent. Let me let me just uh, let me just say this real quick. Yo, miss it, mission accomplished. Like, yeah. <laughs> if, like if that just conv- <laughs> if you if that just made the case, and like, yo, Michael did it. He waited for that moment to pounce when he felt like his his legacy, his stranglehold on the goat. Uh, conversation on that title, on that mantle was loosening, even just a little bit, you know what I mean? And he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to drop this 10-part documentary and just remind who, remind everybody who I am. And I believed he was the GOAT going in, and this just reinforced me, or reinforced my, my belief in that. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I consider myself a dork about this basketball shit. So I was like, obviously, I was the type of kid to go out and just fucking look up YouTube full games of Jordan. And when I got NBA TV, bro, that shit was like a fucking godsend. You know, you know how many old Michael Jordan games they play? Mm-hmm. Like, every day. You know what I mean? During the summer when there's no actual games going on. Just watch that shit during the day, during the morning. Get home late at night. Some random games on in TV. Why not? And, like, a lot of those games with Jordan. You know what I mean? But running back to my point, I agree. Jordan's a GOAT. 
But um, I'd even say in the GOAT conversation, like if you just do your research, you look into it and like pay attention to history, I'd throw Kareem above LeBron in the, in the fucking GOAT conversation. Kareem's underrated in that regard. Look at his fucking resume, bro. It's impeccable. Go to his Wikipedia page and go to that snapshot where it shows accolades under yeah. his little picture. <laughs> like, you got to keep scrolling to get to the bottom. That man's career is incredible. He and there's a, there's an argument to be made. He was the greatest college ball player of all time and the greatest NBA player of all time. I'm talking about Kareem still. You know what I mean? And he changed his name to some badass shit. You know what I mean? He goes from <laughs> Lou Alcindor to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He picked three names, all aces. That's a three-peat. You know what I mean? Just add that to his ring collection. Like, that's his gold argument. I mean, yeah, I throw him above LeBron. So, yeah. Agreed. LeBron sucks. <laughs> that, that's where you're going with this, right? Like, I saw you. You were setting it up. I'm looking for a guy to come up to the play and debate with us on that. Um, there are still some guys out there who who do know basketball, but they still will go with LeBron James is the GOAT over Michael Jordan, despite the last dance, which makes no sense to me. So it does make me question, do they really know basketball? And past experience t- t- tells me that they did, but maybe it's just their love and biasness towards LeBron that makes them think that he's still the GOAT. It's very uh, savvy messaging and... Uh... Um, propaganda by the clutch mafia that LeBron employs. You know what I mean? Clutch employment, uh, clutch agency, whatever the fuck. Like, through the years, the way they've been selling it, his show on HBO too, there's even clips of him saying it like, yo, I, I made that 3-1 comeback and I thought I was a GOAT. Once that started popping up in 2016 after he did the 3-1 comeback is when I saw in full force widespread, like, the LeBron stan nation trying to sell their their god as the god and like people with sense are just like what the fuck are you talking about then you got fucking buffoons like nick wright who's obviously on the clutch mafia payroll because there's nobody that could be that legitimately dumb like innocently you know what i mean he's a a fucking tv character i know how the sports fucking tv talk game goes you know what i mean if you're an adult and you don't see it from a mile away they're all playing characters right nick wright (laughs) plays this to a t if aliens were to come to the world who would you play to get <laughs> to get the aliens out of here? He really chose LeBron James from that. Yo, if if like aliens came here and they said like we need a human sacrifice to save your civilization, Nick Wright <laughs> would probably fucking I don't even know where I was going with this. I just fucking hate Nick Wright. He'd probably fucking offer to just blow LeBron's fucking balls in front of the aliens, and the aliens would just freaked out and leave. because like, that kid's weird. We just wanted a human sacrifice. We didn't want to see that shit. We don't want to see you perform fellatio, LeBron James. Nick Wright would do it, though. He'll volunteer. <laughs> if it meant saving the universe, if it meant some loose change from under LeBron's couch, too. I don't know. Nick, Nick Wright's a dickhead. <laughs> That's my point with all this. He's a dick writer, but, yeah, that was like... He's a what writer? He's a what writer? Oh, he said he said writer. Okay, I think he said yeah, writer. Dick. I'm like, what, what's a dick writer? But I gotcha. He probably writes various uh, poems dedicated to LeBron's dick. Good point. Excellent point, Mo. That's why you're the co-host. I'm just here to throw alley oops. He's dunked them shits. I got you. That's beautiful, man. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, nah, my whole point was just like and it, like. You got these people out here just campaigning for LeBron. You got Kendrick Perkins just saying dumb shit. Mm-hmm. But then. Shannon Sharp, and they got these enig- enigmatic like personalities to offset like people like Skip Bayless, who in his own right is a buffoon too. I'm not saying I'm a Skip fan. That dude's a fucking character too. He's a disingenuous prick that plays a character to get people's like emotions in a tizzy. He's a troll, but, yeah. Exactly. So 
the the clutch mafia this is my conspiracy theory. They just got their hands through the sports media and got these people out there to push this message. Richard Jefferson, he's mad cool with LeBron. He's out here pushing the same kind of message. Channing Fry, these same people. Channing Fry's out here saying MJ wouldn't last in the current NBA. These are mad people that – all the people that are literally – you just look at it. You don't need to be a fucking uh, private eye to see it. All the people that have any close proximity to LeBron, they're not just like being personally like, oh, you know, MJ's great, but LeBron's my friend, so I'm going to go with him. They're literally campaigning, you know what I mean, and trying to put down MJ. And that's when I see the jig from a mile away. I was like, all right, the jig is up. Like, y'all just, it's all, it, it's just fucking phony to me. And my whole point is, it's like, it was a fucking propaganda since the 2016 thing. And I feel like this dance, this last dance documentary just brought people back to the truth. Like, it brought, if, he, if you're just like one microscopic example of what this, documentary I think is done, then yo, mission accomplished, you know what I mean? Do you agree with me? Was that, was that also your main takeaway or no? No, I mean, I said it from the jump, yeah, I agree. I even made a point for Kareem over LeBron, so yes, Nick Ish is officially an MJ, greater than symbol LeBron podcast. Put that <laughs> put that in writing. But yeah, I mean, from from this show, Jordan's legacy, while he was playing, after he stopped playing, it's it's insane. He was basically a god to a lot of people out there, in terms black of black Jesus, <laughs> huh? Black Jesus. Yeah, black, he's black Jesus, right? And sure. uh, I think I, I think if I've talked about my favorite moment, it was probably the end of episode seven, and um, that was. Immediately after BJ Armstrong was talking about how MJ isn't a nice guy, and I know you know what scene I'm talking about. A lot of people talked about the scene. Iconic, afterwards. iconic. I think I know where you're going. But yeah, yeah go he, and go BJ Armstrong's like, yeah, if you if you don't love the game of basketball, then you're not going to want to play with Jordan because he's just not enough of a nice guy. And uh, you know Jordan's response to that was, and that's the kind of player that he is, and he plays with that crazy intensity and he'll get in your face if he needs to and um the episode then goes on to basically show that he did that for the sake of winning which we saw ended up happening we saw that his teammates overachieved players like steve kerr did overachieve and um that ended up leading to them getting titles and the fact that he got emotional at the end shows us as viewers that he does have some emotion to it and the fact that beautiful the fact that teammates might have thought that he didn't have that emotion or that he didn't care what they thought and that it's okay for him to get in their face really did make him feel some type of way and that he did feel hurt from it but he felt that he had to do what he had to do so they all won together so exactly that scene to me just showed just humanized michael jordan but at the same time made him even more of a legend yeah and i like this yeah like you're talking about, like, the scene, obviously, where he's, just, like, sitting, just talking about, like, winning. You know what I mean? Just, like, how much it meant to him. Like, when the clo- when they close out the episode. When he, he when he closed it out, and he's, like, break. And- yeah, exactly. Yo, and yeah. I, I read, um, that was actually the shortened version of, like, when they recorded that. There's apparently, like, it's apparently, like, a minute and a half longer. Mm-hmm. So, I want to see that. Like, him just pouring his heart out about winning. So, this is the version, the, the cut-up version that uh, Jordan felt like it was enough for the viewer to see. But he probably, he probably let it all out on the line. You know what I mean? Just, like, let it loose, because... He was just basically summarizing his entire just supernova of a fucking life, you know what I mean, into that one fucking sentence. It was all about winning, you know what I mean? And to your point about just how he how he built his teammates up in his own way, 
he said it himself. He never asked anybody to do anything he wouldn't do himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was just he wasn't barking at them to be an asshole. He was just trying to raise them up to his standard because he knew what it was what it was about. And side note, it was ill as shit. He was just like, yo, I'm just trying to fucking raise these little pups up to be big dogs because like I can't bring them into New York like this. He shouted out New York. I was like, yeah, that's right. That's our legacy. Like, don't bring them pussies in here. Like, you better toughen them up, Mike. You know what I mean? So I thought that was cool. But yeah, yeah to your point, like. That was a beautiful scene, bro. Like, yeah. shit. And the other scene that really humanized him for me, and I, I felt that shit was immediately after he won the 96 NBA Finals, and that was on Father's Day, and he went back into the locker room. And we've seen that scene of him on the floor crying with the basketball on his head so many times, but I don't think we ever got the audio from it, ever. And yeah, yeah. we heard the audio from on, on the last dance, him just wailing, and that emotion humanized him so much but again escalated his legend his legend you know and uh, for a guy as badass as michael jordan the number of times that he cries is is crazy and the fact that we just respect him more for it just speaks to speaks to his greatness facts i mean like you said he humanized like i mean i don't see it i mean he saw himself as a god i don't see him as a god but like it humanized a god quote unquote you know what i mean so that was crazy you know just like I'm just echoing the same sentiments as you. Just iconic scene. You're seeing him, like, curled up on the floor. Just, like, the hard work all, like, encapsulated in one moment. You know what I mean? That sweet taste of victory. And I don't know, man. Like, did you think it was kind of wild that they even touched on the possibility? Like, bring it, you brought up, like, obviously what he went through with his dad, right? But did you think it was just, like, surprising that they even brought up or entertained the possibility of that conspiracy theory that uh, um, that he was responsible for it? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, they didn't get dig too deep into it because he like the exact conspiracy theory is some nasty shit. You know what I mean? That he got killed for like Jordan's gambling debts, but they just kind of made it out like it was Jordan. Some had something to do with this. That's some ugly shit back then. But did you think it was surprising that Jordan would even like touch on it in this documentary? Because I thought that was kind of as like you know surprising. As someone me. who's lucky enough to still have his father, I I don't know if if I were in Jordan's shoes, I'd want to hear it or wanted to be broadcast so much but the fact that it was already a story and that so and thousands of people already knew about it he might have used that as an opportunity to clear his own name again even though he didn't he didn't even though he didn't have to clear his name he exactly, probably just yeah. used it again as like uh you know what the fuck were you guys thinking kind of point and just kind of yeah, explain yeah. more to him retiring in 95 which i'm sure a lot of chicago fans were upset about it gave him more of a reason to do it and more make him more accepting that he decided to go down that path yeah I just thought it was, like, another interesting facet to all that. It's just that, like, the people out there that they're saying that, like, this documentary... This documentary, obviously, is just going to romanticize what the 90s Bulls were. But a lot of people are saying, like, Jordan would just make it too biased in his favor. Which, first of all, if I'm the GOAT in my profession, hell yeah, it's going to be biased because the bias (laughs) is the truth. But the fact that, like, he even just brought that up, that, like, even addressed that conspiracy theory or just the idea that he had something to do with, like, the tragic senseless killing of his own father... I gotta give him credit because that like, couldn't be me, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if anything, like that, I would have carved out a 15 minute segment in the documentary for me to just talk shit about people even bringing that into the equation. Like, how do you, I don't know, man, that's some sensationalist journalism shit back in the day before social media. You know what I mean? You think mm-hmm. TMZ's like disgusting now. Like, you gotta be a real dickhead back then to be like that, you know? Like, yeah, unfortunately. And. Yeah, I mean the documentary. The documentary really showed how dominant the Chicago Bulls were, and then you start mm. thinking about what they were after Jordan left. Oh man, 
What are your like, What are your thoughts on the post Michael Jordan Part Two from '99 on? I mean, it's an underrated shit show in comparison to what the <laughs> Knicks are. But I mean, you jump in a little ahead. Like, did we even like? I mean, I don't know. You, I thought it was uh, be kind of interesting to talk about uh, the NBA Finals, the Indiana Indianapolis uh, Eastern Conference Finals too. You know what I mean? But. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if we I mean, if we want to flash flash forward a little bit, then yeah, the the Bulls is uh, I don't know. I brought I brought this up to you in side conversations, but just like if you look at this rebuild that Jerry Krause is so thirsty for, like what did they actually end up with? Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry, after they already had Elton Brand, they flipped a productive twenty and ten Elton Brand for unproven Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. This is Jerry Krause's master plan, and the one move that probably would have saved his legacy which ironically probably would have fucked up the 90s Bulls, but, like, Jerry Cross apparently considered, like, trading Pippen in 97 for T-Mac, fresh out of high school. Mm-hmm. So that obviously probably would have worked out well for the Bulls, but it would have fucked up, like, that last, like, leg of the Michael Jordan era. So, but if he did make that move, controversially, it probably would have worked out for the Bulls. But my whole point is, like, going up from Kraus to, like, was it the Jim Paxson era or whatever the fuck, John Paxson, John Paxson. running shit in uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was like a seamless transition of mediocrity, bro, because, yeah, they had the Derrick Rose era, but then sandwiched between Jer- Derrick Rose's, like, healthy peak is just, like, I don't know, mediocrity, trash, for some feistiness, the Luol Deng and Ben Gordon era, and then to, like, what they've been from, like, the last five years, because, yo, like, I don't know if you noticed it, but for, like, the last four drafts, Chicago's always picking, like, number seven. Like without fail, you know what I mean? <laughs> they're they're not shitty enough to be right. like they're not <laughs> shitty enough to get a top two tick, but two pick, but they're like shitty enough to crush their fans' hopes. Which, I mean, I don't know, bro. That's like an Andrea Bagnani season every year. <laughs> and at this point, I mentioned this. I want to say maybe even a year and a half ago when Jim Boylan was the uh, hired as a head coach for the Bulls. I don't know if it was a year and a half ago. It was at least a year ago. I don't know. Whatever the point. Well, I was like, <laughs> I, I was trying to make a point that they're so underrated with how sh- how shitty of an organization they are, and how they completely fumbled um, everything that was given to them at that point. You know, and uh, what what did they do after Derrick Rose left? Nothing. That was since 2012 to 2020. What have they been able to do apart from getting Zach Levine in a very lopsided trade? Yeah, and then, you know, had some feisty years without the uh, Rose, you know what I mean? Like those, the Jimmy Butler come-up era, you know what I mean? The last leg of the Tibbs era, so I give him some props for that. But, yeah, I mean, I want to kind of circle back to the last dance if you want to do some, like, lightning round, like, bullet points. Sure, First thing it. I want to bring up to you and post you, like, do you believe the fucking pizza story about the flu game? Because I don't believe it, but do you believe it? You told me five guys suddenly found out that Michael Jordan was in this place and they set it up from the pizza shop and they poisoned his shit and not poisoned it, but they made it so bad that he affected him the very next day. Hell no. No way. No, that was some bullshit. Like, I know, I know, I think for a fact he was sick during that game. I just think the thing is, they had to go into this documentary, they had to address the flu game because there's stories about what exactly it was for years now, like the conspiracy theory that it was a hangover, which I personally believe, not that I'm, like, looking at it, especially after this pizza fucking delivery, like, fiasco. (laughs) That's some bullshit because, first of all, the way they were all talking about it, it was, like, his trainer, his his, his assistant, and Jordan, they are all talking about the story. You know how I know it was bullshit? They just kept, all three of them just kept repeating pizza over and over again in a lie. I mean, it's like what liars do. They just keep repeating 
that one thing. Over, they repeat themselves. You know what I mean? Like, oh, these guys delivered the pizza. Michael ate the pizza. It was a good pizza. Yeah, we, he got a pizza because he was hungry. You're, like, they just kept repeating pizza and pizza. Like, all right, we get it. Like, that kind of was just like, I don't know, that's just me saying, like, my bull, my internal bullshit detector going off. But I don't believe at all, bro. Like, it just seems so ridiculous. It's ludicrous. First of all, how did they find out it was Michael Jordan? You know what I mean? Two, like, didn't he have an alias going into a hotel room? You know what I mean? Like. Why are all these places closed that actually, no, that makes sense. It's like Utah, Salt Lake City. That, w- that would make sense why everything's closed that late at night. All right. Why would, they let five guys go, why would they let five guys go up to Michael Jordan's room for a pizza delivery? Why did they come up to the room? Why didn't his trainer just go down and get it? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If it's Michael mm-hmm. Jordan in enemy territory. This shit don't make sense. You know what I mean? Michael Jordan is like the most protected. Like He had a flawless reputation for like so many years. It's like he's like the most protected celebrity on earth at that point. You know what I mean? You're telling me none of this shit came up to them at that point, but it's coming up to us two, like, fucking slobs over here? Like, come on now. <laughs> like, we're just two regular dudes just recording a podcast. you telling me Michael Jordan's entourage was just like, you know what? This seems suspicious, fellas. You know what I mean? They eat the whole I pizza. Did, <laughs> yeah. I think it was just some bullshit story because they knew going in. My point was they knew going in they had to address the flu game. So they're like, all right, what's the story we could just concoct and just put it in here and just, like, erase some doubt? I think it was bullshit. I just think he was hungover. He got fucked up late at night. Hmm. He just had a really bad hangover, as he does, because it was already been established in his documentary. He just stays up late at night. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I just think he got super fucked up in Salt Lake City. They had to come up with a bullshit excuse. But yeah, I mean, other than that, um, props to Scottie Pippen for playing with a back injury that in the last game in the '98 Finals. Like uh, I've been suffering through a back injury the last couple of days. I wouldn't have been able to do it, bro. Hell no. So props to Pippen. Yep. What did you think of that? <laughs> I I didn't know about it. I didn't know it was that bad that he had to go back to the locker room twice to to get it checked out and still play through it. So yeah, shit. Lots of props to to Scotty. Yeah, and um, Brian Byron Russell. I thought the MJ shit talk about him was funny. <laughs> he was just like he almost seemed annoyed to even just address him during this documentary. Yeah. <laughs> so that was funny. You know what I mean? Um. Oh. Jalen Rose just popping up. I don't know where it was funny as shit to me because it's like the only time he gets an invite to these things is when he when like people invite him to talk about the times he got sunned by a great player. He's like, yo, <laughs> Jalen, Kobe, 81, you was there. Come through. Oh, Jalen, you got punked by Jordan? Come through. Like, <laughs> he's a, he's that guy now. You know what I mean? Like, pretty soon there's going to be an Allen Iverson documentary. Jalen Rose is going to be there. <laughs> he's like, I got crossed so bad I couldn't walk straight for two weeks. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's probably booked solid. He's like he's gonna show up in the Vince Carter documentary soon too. Just talking about the day he got dunked on. I don't know. It just seems it just seems funny to me. Did your opinion <laughs> of Reggie Miller go up or down after I mean, this documentary? I, think, I mean, I knew just like Reggie and MJ had that like respect for each other. You know what I mean? But um, I don't know. Reggie's like legacy as a player. He's a great player back in the day. Um, a smidge overrated to me, but that's a conversation conversation for another day. I also like obviously, admittedly, did not see him in his prime, but um, I don't know. I just I just don't fuck with Reggie Miller. I also just think he's a fucking terrible commentator, but that's like it's well established at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's that bad, honestly, as a commentator. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I don't I, mind a click click. I bro. <laughs> I was joking off like uh, uh, off air about like, all right, man, we need to just split up this podcast. I think I might just go through <laughs> it at night. <laughs> I thought we were well established as an anti-Reggie Miller unit here, but I guess not. 
I mean, D Wade's dunk on Verjao is probably my favorite dunk of all time, and Reggie Miller's call on it was pretty good. Yeah, but that's just like he was a secondary commentator after uh, I forgot who, maybe Kevin Harlan, but yeah, exactly. That's who I think of first. Like Reggie Miller was just there along for the ride. Yeah, if Kevin Harlan is like, Mo, like Reggie Miller was just Mo Williams in that scenario. Kevin Harlan's LeBron. Like it's, that's just how it is. You know what I mean? That's just how how I recall. Because I didn't even remember Reggie was on the fucking air when you brought her up. So you just might be a Reggie Miller stand, bro. I don't know, but I'm <laughs> no, just no, very never disturbed. That. Come on, man. We, I'm we, just we very mix, disturbed by these happenings. Here. I'm very disturbed by these happenings right now. I need to reassess and reevaluate. But <laughs> um. <laughs> Nah, I mean, if you want to call the put put a bow on it, and then maybe like our next episode, do some residual overall thoughts on this documentary. Because honestly, this is like I might just rewatch the whole goddamn thing because there's so gotta, much to unpack in all these episodes. You know what I mean? We gotta stretch this one out, dude. We got nothing else to talk about sports wise for the next X number of weeks. The NBA might come back. Sure. There's still words. I know Cuomo said that he's he's ready to work with professional sports and play without audiences. So the season might might work out. I think LA they were saying similar things. So we might see the season continue. I think Adam Silver said he's gonna give it two more weeks to decide what he wants to do. I think they've been talking about two more weeks since this quarantine started. You know what I mean? They just been pushing the decision. But I don't know, bro. I just think like the I, I'm still skeptical. That it happens, and I feel like once it happens, I feel like it'll shut down real quick. Once, like, a couple players just start – once the players start dropping, like, flies from this – not, like, actually dropping as in, like, deaths, but, like, once they start all catching it, once it spreads like that, because no matter how much you incubate all these people, it's still a large gathering of people. No matter – like, it's not going to be, like, tens of thousands, obviously, in an arena, but it's going to be, what, a couple hundred in, in that place, including, like, both team staffs, NBA staffs. Not a couple hundred, but, like, you know, a good amount, you know. It's going to be more than 10 people in one area. I know that for sure. So, I don't know. We'll see if it happens. I doubt it. Honestly, it's just... I just think it's dumb. Like, this this, this virus is still out there. Like, we fu- I fucking joked last week. It's still waiting out there, waiting to jump us again. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it works. But, obviously, I'm not... I'll, we both love basketball. I'd kill to go come see some fucking games right now. But, what are you going to do? You know? people's health and lives are more important than sports to me like i guess i'm a weirdo <laughs> i guess i guess we're both just like you know just some crazy people out here thinking like that yeah well i mean you know we could put a pin to the, to the episode at this point because we still got plenty more last dance shit to talk about over the next few episodes as these quarantine series of the nick's show continues um and yeah, for all the listeners, again, thanks for, for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube at Nickish Show. Subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that. And uh, look out for whatever we got next. Appreciate the listen. Any last words? Nah, just stay safe. Um, stay strong to all our Muslims out there. Close out the end of Ramadan. Do you know what I mean? Eat's right around the corner, so preliminary Eid Mubarak to our Muslim listeners as well. Mm, happy so, birthday which, to the late and great Malcolm X. Oh, oh for sure. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. Completely forgot about that. So, good one. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, just stay safe, be smart, and um, wear a mask if you do go outside. Please, That's about it. Please. Alright, peace out. Peace.